You're listening to the Co-Creator Network because, because you do you create do your own reality. reality. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. I would like to call in the spirits to hold us here today for our proceedings. I call in the energy of the ancestors. I call out to all that is good and true and beautiful in all of your ancestral lines and mine and those of my guest today, Betsy Bergstrom. I call out to those ancestors to be with us here today that we might all learn how to be ever more present within ourselves, ever less distracted by the energies around us, and ever more able to focus our energy on why we are here, and to bring those unique and exquisite gifts to the world. So I call out to these ancestors to join us here today, to gather around us, to hold us well outside of time and space, that we might hear what needs to be heard and say what needs to be said, and to go forward in a way that supports all life. I call out to the energy of the earth itself, the great being of the planet, the energy of the great spirits of the land, those energies that are deep and abiding that were here long before humans and will be here long after. And I call out to the energy of the earth around us, those local energies that are temporal and changing with us. I call out to all of these energies of the earth to be with us here today to help us to ground our energies to open ourselves to the proceedings here today and to come to understand our responsibility as beings in form, that it is our task to protect ourselves. And we ask the spirit of the earth to come up and help us to understand the great gift it is to be alive and how to be alive fully and powerfully and completely. And within that understanding, what our responsibility is in being a human. And I reach up and ask you each to reach up with your hearts and minds all the way up to the highest power of the universe, and we call down the energies from above. And by whatever name you call that highest power in the universe, call it down into our circle and around us, that we are protected, that we are blessed, that we are guided, and that we might feel the benevolence and the generosity and the gifts of this universe. We call out to the energies from above and from below to meet here in the middle, middle. And in each one of us, we call out to the energy of the heart, the heart of the human that has that capacity to merge and blend and bring into balance our connection with all things, but also our connection with our deep, passionate desire to do what we have come here to do with the clarity and insight and creativity of the mind because we are alive here today and we must discover today, how do we do that? To merge those energies in the heart that we might each go forward here today better able to live our true soul's purpose. So with these spirits gathered around us here today, I give thanks, and I want to give thanks to our guest here today, Betsy Bergstrom. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you. It's wonderful to be back with you, Christina. Well, and welcome home. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be back. Yeah. Um, Did you learn anything particularly new and exciting about protection on your trip? Betsy's just returned from Nepal. Tibet? Um, Nepal. Well, you know, I, I... in a certain kind of way, I did in the sense of um, being in a country where the divine is so much a part of people's lives, you know, whether and the divine shows up in a variety of different ways in terms of different teachers, different sacred sites, etc. And so what I saw happening there were people who regularly visited these powerful places or these powerful people or they, they engaged in different practices, um, which I think really helped to enliven them and to give them added protection in the world. That similar thing really struck me in Nepal, how integrated people's sacred practices were into their daily life. It was absolutely normal. Yes. It was absolutely a part of making breakfast and going to work, going to the shrine, leaving. You know, it just was really beautifully integrated. Yes. I was in the particularly um, Tibetan Buddhist part of Kathmandu for much of it, and 
And there, everyone's walking around with their prayer beads, their malas, and saying their different mantras. And, the, you know, different sacred syllables, different prayers have incredible abilities to protect us. And as we repeat them again and again, um, what we'll find is that it, it begins to generate and connect us with this very powerful energy that can offer us a great deal of protection. And on that note, we will launch into our topic here today, which is protection. Now, um, before we go there, though, let me just catch everybody up. Those of you who haven't enjoyed the two beautiful shows Betsy has offered us um, last year, um, you can find Betsy's website at www.betsybergstrom.com. It's pretty easy. <laughs> but I will spell it, B-E-T-S-Y-B-E-R-G. S-T-R-O-M, so BetsyBergstrom.com, and you can find her calendar and classes and information about connecting with her for private sessions, and all of that information is there. She is a full-time shamanic teacher and practitioner who has studied with shamans and healers from many cultures and has worked in various fields of alternative care for decades. So, um, and as I said, Betsy um, offered us two beautiful shows last year. One, The first in particular was on her heart-centered healing, which focused on extractions and overshadowing and depossession and that kind of aspect of shamanic healing. And it's well worth listening to because it gives us a, well, a heart-centered but contemporary update in looking at this issue as we're actually experiencing it today versus, you know, seeing it simply through traditional eyes. So that's very helpful. And then our second show, we began actually today's conversation because we began talking about protection. And in that show, we talked about um, many concepts that apply, um, in particular, in the middle world where, where we're all living, um, mediumship, compassionate beings, attunement with energies, as Betsy's just talked about, um, and that these concepts are really well-developed there. And we're not going to go into them as deeply today. We're going to focus a little bit more on how-to and kind of really understanding protection and the energetics. But I strongly suggest that you... Find those shows on the episode directory and download them and listen because um, there's a lot of great information there. But today, we're talking about protection in particular and how to do it. So let's just start really basic. So in, in the simplest sense, Betsy, why would you say that we actually need energetic protection? Um, I think that um, in a really practical sense, one of the things that we might want to be aware of is that we live in a, um, a very much an interrelated, interconnected, interdependent universe. And what that means to us practically and personally is that we are um, very much impacted and we make an impact on the environment around us. And in particular, people that we have... Um, met with or we have some kind of an attention on, be it positive or negative, in different situations or places or or, um, or even just different things that we're interested in, we find that we make connections with them in the energetic sense, which I encourage people to think of energy as being very real. Um, because when we think about a person, we actually create a connection, and so our thoughts, positive or negative, can transfer from us to them, or, and they can be felt by them, and, and in return, that it can kind of pull that person's attention back to us. So what is going on then for people energetically when they feel vulnerable or feel a need for protection? Well, there, I think there, we could look at a variety of different kinds of situations. I mean, maybe one of the easiest situations is, a, is when somebody is in a dispute or some kind of a situation with a person where that they know that the other person is actually angry with them or they suspect that they have some kind of strong feelings, not necessarily, you know, positive feelings for them. And when that person, you know, the, the person that we're talking about um, might then experience um, feeling... Um, feeling fear in the pit of their stomach. They might feel as, um, as though they're being impacted in a way that maybe their neck tightens up or they have a headache or they just feel a feeling of dread. And so what we could say in a situation like that where there are definitely strong feelings between two people, that the connection between them is causing the feelings of the other person to transfer to them, whether it's consciously or unconsciously. So then it would be possible, perhaps, then, that someone could, you know, be coming home from work every night feeling depressed and fatigued and maybe starting to be achy, like you said, in the neck or something like that, 
And it's, it's possible that this could be entirely an issue that could be resolved from having a better understanding and ability to protect themselves. That's, it's, you know, it definitely could be. Yeah. Just because of all of the interrelationships with, you know, the person's travel from home to work, all of the people at work, whatever the business itself is doing in the world, all of these things are going to be, I mean, if we're going to take energy seriously, all of these things potentially are, are impacting. Absolutely. And what I like what you're saying about this is that it brings the attention a little bit broader than just a dispute or a situation between two people, but it encourages us to look at what happens when we're just out in the world. You know, whether it's driving through traffic where people have road rage and we feel, we actually may feel as though we pick up some of that rage ourselves, or we may feel very, um, we may feel just, you know, very disturbed by, by the environment that we're driving through. We may find that work with all the kinds of tensions and things is, as you said, just draining and fatiguing for us. Or the different, um, you know, sometimes we feel like we're stressed or we're obligated or we may have a feeling of resentment. I mean, one of the things that we can look at for protection is, is it coming from the outside or is, you know, is the need for protection coming from the outside, from something that's happening outside of us, or is, and or is it impacted by something that's happening inside of us as well? It, and I find <laughs> part of the hardest conversation about protection is how people are making choices in their own life that are dismantling or weakening or annihilating their own capacity, their own innate capacity to protect themselves. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so that's what we'll talk about as we come back from the break and also begin to get in some of the, into the primary kind of energetic components of good protection. Great. Welcome back, everyone. We are here today with our guest, Betsy Bergstrom, and we are having a conversation about protection, how, how, the how-tos of energetically protecting yourself. And I'm sure as we go through this today, we'll also get to the why you should bother to do that. Um, so let's, um, Betsy, let's talk about what your sense is of kind of the basic, what are the basic things someone needs to consider if they're going to construct good protection for themselves? Well, the very first thing, um, whether you're a person who's well-grounded in shamanic skills or whether you're, you know, absolutely don't know of any shamanism at all, the very first thing that is the most important, I think, is to have an intention, you know, to have strong intention that you really want to be, um, that you want protection, that you want to be able to be very strong, very stable, very autonomous, very grounded in your life. And when I say autonomous, I mean energetically autonomous, where your energy is, one's energy is whole and and well and and contained in a way that allows them to have good boundaries. And then? (laughs) And then, um, one of the things that I think can happen for us is that we, through our thoughts, through our journey through life, that we can sort of start scattering. And so when we start scattering, imagine that bits and pieces of you, maybe you stay with people that you like or they, they go out to places that you remember, that you ponder, you know, that think places that you like or even places or situations in your life that you might have some worries about. And so imagine that the very next thing that you could do would be to really invite back to yourself all of your essence that you can summon and really invite to return to you. And I find that just simply that as the first step, as the first tool, is really, really powerful. I mean, people will find that at the end of the day, if they're feeling tired or fatigued or a little foggy, if they just take a few minutes and really call back to themselves every bit of them that they can, that, you know, and I like to imagine it as a wonderful luminous, warm, golden light that re- returns to me. And I feel it palpably when it, when it comes back. And I know that some people see it and some people sense it and some people just feel almost as though their center of gravity begins to change when these parts of them return each day. So that's a great tool for people to practice. And so then from there, do, they, do we move into where people begin to develop some sort of... Um practice or skill to connect with, uh, to attune, essentially, with other energies. Yes, yes. If you, do have, um, if you do have a sense of who some of your own power animals are, for instance, I really like the, 
the technique that was taught to me in childhood. Um, I'm part Native American from the Northwest, and, and what I was taught, I was really introduced at an early age to a power animal that was a body protector. And when in a body protector, in this sense, um, means that this power animal is, has the job of helping me to be whole and well in the middle world. You know, and, and also to protect my things, you know, to protect my belongings, to protect my body or my person. It's really like having a bodyguard. But as well as having a bodyguard, it also, it's a strength and a power and a, um, and a whole set of qualities that I think gets loaned to us by these power animals as well. So I, what I would encourage people to do is to, um, if they know how to journey, is to journey, to go to the lower world, and to ask, who is my body protector? And when they meet with a power animal or a power bird or some kind of being like that in the lower world, then it's always wise to make sure to really ask, are, you know, is this, is this true? Is this who you really are? And once it's established that that being that is really going to be the body protector for that person, what you can then do is, you know, really just introduce yourself and find out something about how that, that being is going to be helping you practically in the middle world. And, you know, in other words, it's like meeting somebody and establishing a relationship with them, establishing a connection with them. And then what I was taught to do is to invite that power animal or bird or whatever kind of being to, to drop its form, you know, if it's a bear and it shows up in a bear form, then you would, you would watch that bear drop its form and just become pure energy, pure light. And then you can invite that being, that bear or whatever kind of power animal it might be, to literally merge with you. And then I was taught to come up from the lower world and then to stay merged with that power and throughout the day to invite that power to come and to be with me and to reestablish its strength and its connection. And this is a, a little-known fact, but for people that are, you know, curious about it, you know, it sounds so simple, but it's really powerful. When I first moved to Manhattan, one of the most energetically challenging places on our planet, Absolutely. In many ways, you know, positive, negative, every possible, everything, in one place, one very condensed place. And, you know, I was a little girl from Oregon and, you know, didn't have a clue, frankly, and I, and I really wasn't practicing shamanism yet. Um, but I had picked up a couple pieces, which is, you know, basically what you were just describing. I didn't yet really understand that it was, you know, so fundamental to shamanism. But my point is, okay, I was in New York. For seven years, I was a dancer, which means I was very poor. So I wasn't able to protect myself from, you know, humanity mm-hmm. with money. I mean, mm-hmm. I never took a cab in seven years. I was on the subway or I was walking. And I was very, very poor. So I was really potentially exposed to anything. Plus, you know, I didn't always know where I was in the city. I was new, you know. And I focused always on that practice you were just describing and then also I kind of developed a singing version of it when I really mm-hmm. got scared. And I did not witness, I didn't, not only was harm not perpetrated against me, I didn't even witness an act of violence in Manhattan on the street for seven years. That's how powerful this simple practice is Betsy's just described. I mean, and was there violence happening? Sure. It just wasn't happening around me. Or I wasn't, or I was being moved out of the way of wherever it was happening. And it's really important to understand that these very, very simple practices are real in the everyday world. And that, and I want to reinforce what Betsy said, which is all our energies are related. And all you're doing now is bringing your conscious awareness into a relationship that's maybe vacant and making it alive again with your will and your intention, your heart, and your willingness to communicate with this um, being that's not in form and, and relate to it. And, it, and it's, it's not hard, but the impact on our life is huge. I, I totally agree, and, and I, I want to put into um, the mix a little bit the idea that I understand from people who are 
really close to nature who are um, hunters and trackers and, and people, you know, who have those kinds of relationships with nature. And what they've taught me is that animals and birds, you know, in the natural setting, if they feel or suspect that there's a predator around them, what they naturally and intuitively often do is collapse their energy field or they collapse their aura in an attempt to make themselves invisible. And I think that that happens for us. I think that if we feel, um, even if we're not conscious of it sometimes, if we feel intimidated or we feel overwhelmed or we feel a little frightened about some things that are going on, one of the things that our body might actually automatically do is collapse the energy field you know, and, and help us to be invisible in that way. Problem is, it's not very healthy for us to have our energy so collapsed. You know, we, we might then find some kind of a health problem if we were to continue that as a strategy. And unfortunately, many of us live or work in somewhat stressful circumstances, and so we might be finding that we're doing that on a regular basis. And so to actually do what, what Christine and I are talking about to to, with consciousness and with intention, bring in an energy connection to a, to a powerful being that then enlivens us and enriches us with power can be something that might be in some ways counterintuitive for our body, but actually is very positive for us to do. This leads me actually to a question I forgot I wanted to ask, which is, are there um, ways that people protect themselves that are either too costly energetically or, you know, just ineffective in some way, but it's something like collapsing our energy field may be appropriate in the moment, but we don't want to live that way. Exactly. I think the other thing, the other major thing that people do is they erect a, a protective, what we could call a psychic shield. You know, it's sort of like, boom, shields up like we might see in Star Trek or something like that. And that is a great, thing to do just in the moment, you know, if you feel like you're really in danger in that moment. Unfortunately, if people are continuing to live or work in stressful circumstances, they might then keep that psychic shield or that protective shield up. And they may be aware they're doing it or they might not be aware they're doing it, but it actually drains our physical energy to keep it up for any length of time. And so then other kinds of you know, difficulties might arise for us in terms of illnesses or depression or something like that because we're just getting simply worn out, simply really fatigued. Mm-hmm. One of the things that um, I've noticed through the soul retrieval work with people is that mm-hmm. often as children, we children do erect those, I call them fortresses, try to create some protection. Plus, that's what they're hearing in the fairy tales that they're being told. So that's, you know, it's the models they're being given, so they create this huge fortress to try to manage all these energies coming at them. And then as, as, as people grow up, they don't necessarily go back and reorganize that sort of energetic program for protection. And so here they are in the world as an adult with a fortress. And, and it is exhausting. So um, it's time for us to go to our next break. Um, and I hope you all will join us as we come back as we continue this conversation about the how-tos of energetic protection. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is Why Shamanism Now, and our guest today is Betsy Bergstrom, and we are talking about protection. And so we were just talking about this issue of um, putting up a psychic shield or creating a fortress. And um, one of the things that we didn't say is that these energies all get patterned. Once we lay the pattern down, it, our energy just keeps running in that pattern until we intentionally go back and change it. And there's a lot of people that just assume, well, if I have this new thought, it'll all go this way. But my experience is that the oldest belief system wins. So if you've been fortifying yourself for four decades, that you may go learn to do some you know, simple magical protection, but that fortification program is going to still run unless you go in and, and intentionally change that. And so with that brings us to this um, other idea around protection um, that Betsy refers to as armoring. So what, how would you define armoring, Betsy? Um, armoring sometimes can be, um, it can happen on a number of different levels. I mean, on an emotional level, we might decide, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in a safe zone. And so that means that I'm not now open to certain things happening in my life. 
um, on, a, on a physical level, we might hold tension in our bodies in a certain way as though we're actually wearing armor. And we may armor our hearts, we may armor our stomachs where we might be, you know, we know that those are power centers and we feel um, the exchanges of power, you know, oftentimes through our midsection. We, um, we might find ourselves really shutting down. You know, armor begins to deaden us in a number of different ways. And so sometimes if people are, have the experience of, well, life has been kind of hard and now I don't feel like I'm enjoying things, they may look to the idea that perhaps they've armored themselves against, you know, against something that happened to them sometime in the past, and now it's just become a habit for them to keep that armor up. And so then what happens if people have this sort of pattern for protection going, what happens as they then engage in contemporary life as a grown-up? Um, well, you know, they may find that they just feel not very connected in some, some areas of their life or even many areas of their life. Um, they may not be open to relationship. They may be longing for relationship but not really open to it. Um, they may be longing for connections of other kinds or longing for creativity, but, you know, what happens when we're in a state of siege is that, or we feel like we're in a state of siege, is that, that things like happiness and love and creativity and those sorts of things, enjoyment, those are the things that oftentimes go out the window first, you know, and, and we just sort of bear down and survive. And so if a person ever kind of styles themselves as a survivor, they may have spent some time armoring themselves. And so, armor, so part of what we're talking about here are different sort of strategies for protection, but that over long term, they're extremely costly energetically, which wears us out physically and can lead to health problems. But they also may not be great strategies in the, in the holistic sense of our life and the bigger picture of the goals that we want to accomplish in our life in terms of our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with others. Because my experience is a lot of these protective strategies go both ways in the sense that they may protect me from the outer world, but they also sort of protect me from being able to connect deeply with myself. And yes. that's problematic as well. So why don't we start talking now then about how, what are some new strategies? Like how, how might people then... And let's just imagine this person that says, okay, I'm going to spend the next six months creating for myself appropriate, healthy, effective, efficient, energy-efficient boundaries or protection for myself at this time in my life. So how might that person go about doing that? I think that the um, the word is practice. <laughs> in other words, if a person decides that they want to start working with a power animal and learning how to merge with that power animal and feeling what that feels like and walking around with it and, and then reinstating that merging and that power throughout the day, it might mean that they embark on a program of merging first thing in the morning with that power. And I was taught to to merge with that power both by journeying to the lower world and meeting with the power animal. Um, you know, when, it, when I was a child, my power animal was an elk. And so when I merged with that elk, I felt the, you know, its majesty, its big body, and especially this giant rack of antlers as a, you know, as this really protective energy around me. But I was also taught not only to merge in the lower world, but I was taught to invite and to summon that elk to be with me and to merge instantly throughout the day. In other words, this is a, um, a being who's willing to work with us in the middle world and to be with us 24-7 in the middle world. And they're there with us. But what the power animals and other kinds of compassionate spirits often say is that it's relationship to them, meaning we relate to them, that allows them to become more powerful in their connection with us, more helpful to us. And so the more that we remember to do it, then the more we begin to reestablish that as the healthy pattern, that as the strength around us. And, and one of the things, you know, this, this, this practice that Betsy's talking about, for those of you that this might all be new information, the beginning of this does function in that sort of um, act-as-if realm where it really does work in life, where if you just hold this maybe as a hypothesis that this, Spirit energy could assist me in protection in my life and not make a judgment one way or the other and just act as if it does and do the practice and see what happens. That's really what I encourage people to do around this sort of practice because you can't know before you do it. It's just one of those things in life, as frustrating as that might be, you, you don't, it doesn't come with a guarantee you know, before you open the box. You just have to jump in 
and do it. And if you really feel insecure about who that helping spirit might be and you haven't yourself learned how to journey yet, you could certainly go to a practitioner and ask them to find out for you who your body protector is and, and to begin that initial communication. But ultimately, you're going to need to develop that relationship yourself. It's not just the practice of the connection, as Betsy said, but the quality of the relationship that you cultivate over time. Yes, and, you know, often what people find is that, that a- the animal, whether, you know, another practitioner finds it for them or whether they discover it for themselves, they may actually have evidence of that animal already all around them. You know, it could be a teddy bear. It could be, you know, the horses that they find or they have pictures of all around. You know, and it doesn't have to be a predator animal. I mean, it could be, um, it, it could be a hummingbird you know, which, you know, the power in the Northwest Coast, the power of the hummingbird is that it brings great goodness and it brings a desire for, you know, for that, it bring, it engenders a desire in others to take care of the person who has hummingbird power. You know, so there, there are all different ways that protection can happen for people. And that is an important thing to remember for those of you that aren't real familiar with working with the spirit realm is this capacity to help us to protect ourselves is, is, is um, very universal within the spirit world. It's not based on size. <laughs> no, not at all. And some people actually have powerful plants that are protectors, the plant spirits. And, and certainly, you know, many cultures have beings of light who are their protectors, you know, whether we see, see them as angels or we see them as dakinis or we see them as devas. You know, so, so, some, so many people without even um, much experience of shamanism at all can can really call on those beings of light to bring that kind of protection to them, to bring that kind of luminosity. And what that does is it, it you know, as you were talking about how the protection happened for you in New York, um, when a person calls on the angelic beings and you have that connection to that kind of love and that kind of light and that kind of luminosity, we change ourselves. You know, when we call on those beings, we literally change to become like that energy. And then that is what is attracted to us and magnetized to us. You know, we begin to really change how the world is around us, just as you changed how New York was for you. Mm-hmm. And this is an important um, point that Betsy made actually in her prior show is, I mean, obviously, attuning with these energies is a key element from a shamanic perspective in protection. And you don't actually have to be a shamanic practitioner to pick up this one piece, and that's kind of the point that we're making. However, this attunement issue goes both ways, which goes back to what we were saying earlier, that sometimes people need to be protected from themselves. I mean, if you're, I mean, engaged in, an, in attuning with energies that are going to weaken your protection, weaken the influence you in making choices that are simply going to that contradict protecting yourself. That is another aspect. I mean, these energies are just there for us to attune to, and it's important that we discern. I think so, and especially, you know, one of the things that people might want to think about is that when when we attune to being a victim, even if we have been, what we could say, legitimately victimized by somebody, if we adopt that for ourselves, I am a victim, then then we actually begin to match that vibration and more painful things start happening to us. Mm-hmm. And, and so if people have that experience, then I would say you're somebody who might want to really um, take some time to attune to something higher, to attune to, you know, a being who isn't, you know, going to let you really stay in that vibration of being a victim. And this is one piece I think as contemporary people we really don't understand is that whatever it is we're actually paying attention to is what we're attuning to. It's we're on eating the simplest it. level. I mean, in a certain way, we're eating it. You know, it's sort of like you, you know, it's like we're because we're we connect with energy, and so we draw it in. You know, and so if we're if we're thinking about being a victim or feeling victimized, then we're just kind of. I mean, imagine that you're just eating more and more and more of victim energy, and but instead, if you change and go, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to. I want to look at. Um, 
you know, maybe the maybe I'm just going to choose a you know a power animal that I will work with in this moment. You know, I'm going to look at the quality of a horse, that ability to leap over obstacles. You know, to be able to move around, to have that kind of strength and grace and motion. We can look to those qualities and think those are the qualities that I want to embody. Those are the qualities I want to eat and take into myself. And then this is. This is, practically speaking, what it really means, you know, when Betsy's saying the things in the beginning of the show is that we're all interrelated and interconnected, that these energies, you don't get to opt out of all of these relationships. (laughs) It's not possible. You are in these relationships. And so the, the, the base, these sort of basic principles then around protection have to do with having some discernment about the energy that you are tuning with and then choosing to do so on purpose and developing stronger and stronger relationships with energies of these compassionate beings that that do have the capacity to offer protection and guidance and clarity to us. So we're already coming into our next break, and um, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more even specifically about how-tos of protection. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we are talking with Betsy Bergstrom about protection. And I was commenting during this break while you were listening to the commercials about how I can feel the mothers wanting to know how, how do I, what is my responsibility as a parent, the mothers and fathers, and how do I translate this information into offering protection to my children? So what would you say about that, Betsy? Well, I mean, first of all, I would say that as a mother or as a father, that um, you can work with your own body protector to not only be protected yourself by that being but you, and also your belongings, but you can also ask that body protector to protect your children. If you have special concerns about them, if they pop into mind at some point in time during the day, you can absolutely have your body protector surround them with power and keep them protected. And, and you know, one of the things that um, happens in the Northwest Coast tradition is that at a very early age, children are encouraged to find their own body protectors and start working with them, as I was introduced to it as a child. And so, you know, and I was given... Um, stuffed animals of that body protector, I was given pictures of that body protector. If I went to school, I think I said this before, but if I went to school and, and came home and told my mother or my grandmother that someone had stolen my lunch or my lunch money, they would say, didn't you have your body protector watching it and or your power animal? And, and I would, if I said no, then they would say, well, what do you expect? And so in that way, I was taught that I, I can do that myself with my own connections with the power. And little children, in my experience, absolutely love to have this connection. It's very graphic. It's very real for them. And I will just add that as children grow up, as parents, it is our responsibility to continue that, um, the transfer of this information so that when they become, you know, young people in the world, they're capable of grounding and having boundaries and protecting themselves and that they're not dependent on their parents for that. Where that's appropriate for small children. It's not appropriate as children grow up. And, you know, if we're concerned, if we have older children and we're concerned about them, then I really feel that we can ask our body protectors to send energy to their body protectors, you know, to not override their will, but to really help to help them. You know, we, we can really um, pray for them in that way. We can send that kind of help or healing in those ways, too. And and for those of you that all... That all email and ask all the time, where is that line? One of the ways to navigate and respect the free will of others is to do what Betsy just said, to ask your helping spirits to do X, Y, Z and and send that message to their helping spirits and let the helping spirits and the person work that out. And you pretty much in almost in every situation I can think of free to do that because it's like offering a blessing in a sense. I really believe that it is. I think the more we think about each other in those ways, the more helpful we are to each other. So as we're coming to the end of our program today, I wanted to bring up something. One of the, um, one of the cultures that is most um, involved in their technology around protection is the Dagra people in West Africa. And, um, but the reason for that, you know, we talk about it, but one of the main reasons for that is that they really believe that the, that the more... 
they have power objects and items, even mm-hmm. the weaving of the body protector animal into their garments, into the decoration of their garments, that the more they can bring protection in, then the more they're freed up their own energy to focus on why they're here, to focus on their true self and their expression of that energy in the world. And so that's kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about here today is, is you know, the why we should bother to protect ourselves is so that our energy is available to do what we've come here to do. And then that brings us then to this true self or authentic self or, you know, however we want to talk about it. And you've talked before about the role of this aspect of one's self in protection as well. So can, can you recap that for us and then we'll go forward with that? Yes, you know, I mean, just going through life means that we might experience some soul loss. We might find ourselves, um, you know, as we said, making ourselves invisible for portions of our life. We may um, have been dented by different experiences, and yet within us, there is a part of us that is completely whole, that is um, really aware of who and what we are and how we're meant to be in this lifetime. And I also believe that it contains the blueprint for who we are and how we're meant to be for our spiritual consciousness, for our mental abilities and our intellectual capacities, for our emotional well-being, and also for our physical health. And so when we connect with our own true self or, or whole self or whatever one wants to call it, then I think we, in the same way as we might merge with our body protector, if we invite our true self to be with us and to merge with us, then we just keep remembering who we are. You know, life dismembers us sometimes, and when we connect with the true self, we remember. And as we remember, we, I think, are able to get, you know, if we've been a little off track in in our lives, then we can get back on track. If we um, have lost some sense of who we are, we can get that sense of ourself back. But the true self contains our purpose, even. And so for those of you who aren't sure what your purpose in life is, I really recommend that you connect with that true self. And it's so luminous and so powerful and so strong and so loving that it actually really makes our energy field and our our body very, very strong. And so it's a fabulous form of protection. So I had a student once who was journeying and asked the Helping Spirits to show him the quality of his protection at that moment and then to show him the quality of protection he would need if he was fully living that true self, that blueprint of himself, and really bringing his gifts to the world and what that would look like. Mm. And I went, oh. (laughs) But then he asked the next question, which was really valuable. What are the steps I need to take to get from here to there? Absolutely. And that was, for me, the, the beauty and the wisdom in that student is to not be judgmental. You know, we're always in a creative process of expressing that. One, I hope, or at least, always in a creative process of from wherever we are expressing that whole self, that true self. And there's, there's no, we need to accept wherever we are, but it's important to get those markers and say, okay, well, how do I get to there so that I can be there now and, and live as that whole self, not live wanting to be that whole self, but live as that whole self. And I think that we can just summon that true self. I think we can summon, we can really reach out for that whole self and bring it to us. And we can reach for the protection of the power animals and bring it to us. Or, um, you know, and, and when we do that, we are making powerful choices for ourselves. And one of the things that I've observed um, is that whenever I've met somebody who was doing something that they just knew was their golden path, was really the, the thing that they were meant to do, what they have always told me is that everything in their life that they experienced, even the things that seemed like detours, actually were meaningful parts of what they needed to experience in order to be doing what they were really meant to be doing. And in some ways, we're circling back around to your comments about attunement. If you are attuning to that self, call it in and attune to it, then it begins to attract all that is necessary for the continuing manifestation of that energy. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Well, Betsy, thank you for joining us this week. I really appreciate it. Um, I want to give thanks to the ancestors for being with us here today, for the earth below and the sky above, for all the energies that that brings to us that we can attune with for our own health and well-being and protection. 
And I want to give thanks for the heart that unites us all. Um, thanks to you, Betsy, for spending your time with us today. Oh, thank you, Christina. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I want to thank all the listeners who are listening at this moment and all of those of you who might be listening in the future. And um, and just be yourselves and really let yourself be power-filled. So on that note, everyone, have a great week. So here we are. Uh, we are returning to these series of shows on protection with Betsy Bergstrom from 2009. Um, again, because many of us feel pushed by recent events uh, into sustained activism on multiple fronts, political, spiritual, social, economic, cultural. Um, and the questions arise, um, how do we sustain ourselves in these efforts? And how do we engage in these efforts in a good way? And so last week we brought in a new show with Mary Shutan along the same vein, which was basically about um, – Survival Skills for Sensitives, um, and speaking about her new book about managing psychic abilities. And this was about how we, each of us, no matter what sensitivities we bring into the world, we can learn the skills that we need and the practices that we need to live here in a good way, whatever our level of sensitivity is. And um, this is, of course, equally true for the 80% of the people who have basically normal sensitivity. Um but overall, what we're really talking about here is um, how do we engage in sustained transformation, not only within ourselves, but in the world. In other words, um, many of you youngsters don't know this, but the human potential movement began in the 60s. So this is decades of people who have sort of followed the plan of stepping out of their everyday life to engage in their personal transformation and um, and then somehow endeavoring, I don't know, to step back in. And yet here we are uh, experiencing the elections that we've experienced in the last year around the globe and particularly here in the United States. And so what we see in that is this idea that I can work on myself and, um, and, and somehow check out in doing that. It's not such a good plan, right? And so what we're really looking at is how do we do both and not burn out? How do we be who we are in the world? And as Mary brought up in her show that was very important, bring that unique awareness and different way of thinking about things that you have because you may be more sensitive than the ordinary person how do you bring that to the table and i don't mean just the new age table i mean all the other tables lawyers um environmentalists politicians parents you know how do we be these new people right and so betsy shared with us today in this particular show she shared with us about the importance of being energetically autonomous. And I think this is a really beautiful way to think about what's become a buzzword so that you don't have to think about it anymore, which is boundaries, healthy boundaries, energetically autonomous, right? And this is about having not only good boundaries, but also being contained in a good way within your boundaries, um, being able to release that which you've gathered that is not yours, and being able to collect yourself from where you might scatter throughout the day and to ultimately do all of these things around your good energy hygiene um, in a way that allows you to connect and to stay connected. And the piece that I would add is that every single one of us who can needs to deepen the intimacy in our connections right now as an actual subversive response to all of the energies moving around the globe right now that are moving us into greater alienation and disconnection from each other. To live intimately connected to your environment, to each other, to the spirit world is a profoundly subversive act. Why do you think I've been spent donating my time for eight years on this show if not to support every single one of us 
in this subversive act. And so we're talking then, you know, so what Betsy talked about today, it's really important is understanding everyone's responsibility for being energetically autonomous so that you can connect in a good way. And Mary's piece is talking about how anybody can be energetically autonomous no matter your gifts and skills. So we're looking at this um, idea of how can you truly protect yourself and stay connected. So both Betsy and Mary have spoken deeply about protection strategies that are natural, they're obvious, they make sense, and they are energetically depleting. They both talked in their own way about this collapsing piece. They've talked about shielding, and Betsy talked about armoring. So all of these strategies drain our energy. They leave us tense, fatigued, and ultimately over time, the long-term result of these strategies for protection are the development within ourselves of patterns of physical and mental chronic health issues. You don't need to harm yourself to have healthy boundaries, but you may need to learn new skills. You may need to dedicate yourself to practice of those skills to move your energy body to a new place. So right now, um, I have thousands of listeners around the world and we opened up the online energy body hygiene class 16 people are registered now i'm not complaining about those 16 but my point is right where are you i finally gave it online where are you right we need to learn these skills and we need to learn use them now best of all possible worlds you're out there learning that in other ways great good on you okay but we do, you know, this question of how do we live in a good way, one that is effective and energy efficient, one that is safe, and one that has the potential to bring joy. You know, how do we live in that way and how do we live our life, no matter the circumstances of the world around us, in a way that inspires others to joy? So over this last year, maybe nine months to a year, we've talked about a lot about three things that require our attention at this time. One is issues of racism in particular. And within that, sexism, classism, these issues within our culture, right? The second thing is activism and shamanic activism. How do you actually use these skills you've spent your time at retreats learning Right? How do you use them to respond to the current state of your government and its effect on our world? How do you respond in a way that is meaningful and does create transformation? And then the third thing is really looking at what does it mean to see this shared shadow rising, particularly in America, but actually in many other countries that were founded in colonization and violence, that, that the shadow of this uh, history is rising for us to look at. And all of that transformational work that people did off all by themselves, we really need to look at how did that pay off if we are here faced with it all around us. So how can we engage in that transformational work in a new way? And so this is all ultimately about confronting our understanding of power and powerlessness and confronting it very, very seriously. So these uh, three things have come into focus with the addition of the one thing that, of course, is always going on. The three things being racism, activism, and dealing with the shadow, literally dealing with the shadow, right? These three things, which are certainly not <laughs> disconnected. Anyway, but these things are all going on on top of the fourth thing that's always happening, which is that no matter when you incarnate, no matter how you incarnate, no matter any of the details and specifics of your lives, the questions that always matter are, who are you? Why are you here? What are your gifts and who are your allies and within that we can all ask ourselves this question regularly is what needs to die within myself 
so that I can more fully live my purpose. Who are you? Why are you here? What are your gifts? And who are your allies that support you in bringing those gifts to the world? So all of this circles back, of course, to those three things that are in our faces right now, racism, the need for activism, dealing with the shadow, and the question then that is with us daily, which is how do we engage in sustained action on all of these fronts? Well, I feel that this conversation about protection helps us understand how to settle ourselves into this first understanding that whatever it is that you cannot tolerate out there in the world is your Buddha and to learn from your Buddha. I am not saying learn to live with it at all. There are things that um, are unacceptable in the world and they, we, we should uh, be unable to tolerate them. That is right and true and they are still our Buddha. Learn from your Buddha. Learn what needs to die within yourself and to take great pains to be sure you do not become the very problem you are seeking to change. We watched this in history for hundreds of years. If we truly believe we are the new people to create a new world, we cannot pole vault over this issue. That which is intolerable to us is also our teacher. And the only way we will lead to a transformation that creates something different is to take that teacher deeply in. And the second thing is no matter what time we incarnate in and what evils we are faced with and what beauties and gifts we're faced with, what matters is what has heart and meaning to you. What makes your life worth living? And to focus your efforts in these arenas. And so if children are what matter to you, what I mean is focus on the governmental things that, that adversely affect children. Focus on those things going on in your community that positively affect children. My, my point is, if you focus on those things that have heart and meaning for you, your, your activism your efforts relative to racism, your efforts around the shadow will be sustaining in a way that simply hacking away at everything that needs to change all at once can never be. So let these teachings from your Buddha focus the thrust of your actions. Then... You look at how do you take action in a good way, in a way that is effective, in a way that is energy efficient, in a way that allows you to bring your gifts to the world. How do you take action in a good way? Right? And in this, how do you care for yourself as you do the work that is important? How do you care for yourself as you do that work? And fundamental to all of this is how you see what you see. And this is what all of this has ultimately been about. Perception and discernment. Both Betsy and Mary have shared clearly that learning to protect your energy is also about learning to manage your sensitivities. And that all of that is about your ability to see accurately what is going on around you and within you and to not bring deep bias because of the distortion of your lack of protection. Protection changes your perception. It allows you to be with discomfort in a different way. It allows you to be unseduced by energies and ideas that suggest that you need something other, that you need to be something other than who you truly are. And so what these wise women have offered us from these teachings around protection are one, practice. Two, connect with your helping spirits. If you don't know how, learn. 
develop a rich and intimate relationship with your helping spirits. If you have relationships with your helping spirits, what do you need to do to deepen them? All of them. And do that now. Choose what you attune to with heightened discernment. There are things we simply cannot afford to indulge anymore. But we must be very clear, as Betsy talked about, that what you consume physically and through the media is uh, is what you become, is what you attune to. Four, connect deeply with your true self. As Betsy said, it's not a mystery. You just move to it and call it in and attune to your true self because that is where your absolute clarity will come from. And then look out at the world through those clear eyes from your practice and your protection from your spirit help, from your attunement, from your connection with your true self. Look out at the world through your clear eyes, not eyes colored by your personal history of pain and fear or comfort and blindness. Look out at the world with clarified eyes. When you have done these things and you regularly do these things, there is a possibility that we can do this together. We can become the new people who write a truly new story and shape a new world for those who are coming. So I give thanks to all of the ancestors gathered around us here today, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Here we are at this first offering of this uh, today in April, I forgot what month it was, and there are still two places remaining in Massive Illusion for those who wish to engage in the cycle this year. Registrations for other classes are up at lastmasscenter.org at the website, and we have also added a new and the only actual energy clearing class for this year. So if you want to come and take the class in one weekend, as an intensive weekend, it will be in Tukwila, Washington, which is just south of Seattle. It's April 28th through the 30th. Uh, through the 30th Um, all right so thank you all have a good week